Well, hello there, listener. My name is Matthew Renfro, host of The Fro Show, and you're listening to another great Four-Eyed Radio product. For more shows, check out foureyedradio.com. Today on Ranger Command Power Hour. Way to prepare, man. Yeah, that's me, the king of preparation. <laughs> <laughs> Weren't you the one that always lost the show notes? Yep, that's me. <laughs> but now I understand why Eric's like posting at like two, three o'clock in the morning, like, man, editing is done. I'm so tired. Hope you guys like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because at that point I'm a zombie. And now on Ranger Command Power Hour. Hey, yeah, 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 It's the Ranger Command Power Hour. Time. Today on the Power Hour, Episode 74, Ranger Merch Review, Boom Studios Power Rangers Comics, recorded on August 1st, 2016. Welcome to the Ranger Command Power Hour on the Four-Eyed Radio Network, Summer Ranger Up with your hosts. I'm Eric, also known as TrekkieB47. I'm Zach, also known as Hollywood. Today's episode is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash rangercommandph. There are over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Right now, I'd like to introduce our guest co-host, Jeremy Treese. He's a freelance comic book illustrator living in Detroit, Michigan area. You can find The Art of Jeremy Treese at jeremytreese.com. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, guys. Glad to be a part of it. Been a long-time listener. We're glad to finally have you on the show. I always want to try to weasel my way in here somehow and... This is probably the perfect opportunity to do so. Yeah, for Absolutely. sure. I just want to say thanks again, because a couple years ago, you made that Shadow Ranger helmet list. I had that as my profile pick for a long time. You had it like almost a year, I think. Uh, more than a year. I remember it was you and Kickback. You guys both had the exact same thing. Like He had, <laughs> like he had the one that was helmeted, and you had the helmet off. And I think did one for you too, Zach. And you had it for a very short period of time. And then there were people that were following all of us on Twitter. And they were like, I don't know who's who's anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that. People were like, what's going on? <laughs> Yeah, they were all flipping out. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's great to finally have you on the show, and I'm glad that we can actually have something to talk about comic book-wise coming to Power Rangers. Oh, yeah. Because for the longest time, the Power Rangers comic book scene just wasn't great. And we had, what was it, paper cuts? I only read, like, a handful of those, like, a couple of those when they tried to do Mighty Morphin. And it yeah. was just, it was just I was bad. really into those ones. To be honest, I didn't pick those up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it seemed kind of uh, dumbed down. If you can dumb down the Power Rangers, it's a simplified formula, you know? Yeah. It seemed like it was even more so simplified, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Oh, it totally does. And I remember when I got that free comic book day issue that Paper Cuts gave out for MMPR, 
I remember reading it and just the amount of like errors, just general errors. At one point, I think they called Skull, they called him Spike in regards <laughs> to the samurai character. And I was just like, okay, I'm done. If you guys can't even do your basic <laughs> research for this stuff, there's no reason you guys should be doing this. But last San Diego Comic-Con, it was announced that Boom Studios got the license for Power Rangers. And they did those amazing helmet covers that were the exclusives. They did those exclusive one sheets. I have all those. I, I plan on framing them. Just some gorgeous artwork. And finally, uh, issue zero came out. I believe it was in January and it was good. Like issue zero was great. And then issue one came out in March. And since then I've been really enjoying the comic. Then it was shortly after I think issue one came out that they announced, uh, the pink ranger miniseries. Yeah. And. That launched just recently. In fact, last week, issue two came out. They're doing even more stuff in that comic book. I believe how amazing that title is. It's really great. I almost step on Kyle and Hendry and all them uh, on the main series, but Pink is, it blew my mind away how good it was. I wasn't expecting it to be as good as it is. I thought it was going to be a six issue, just kind of throw away. Okay, I'm going to collect it because I'm a collector. Yeah. But no, I'm actually really looking forward to, like, I'm sad that it's only six issues. Oh yeah, me too. But <laughs> before we get further into the comics discussion, I just want to talk a little bit of news. First, Power Morphicon is next week. If you're listening to this this Saturday, then it's this coming week. Power Morphicon has added even more guests since the last time we talked about it. Tracy Lynn Cruz, Ashley... Uh, the Yellow Ranger from Turbo and in Space. Sasha Craig, Kelsey, the Yellow Ranger from Lightspeed Rescue. This is her first convention appearance. Anna Hutchinson, Lily from Jungle Fury. Eka Darville, Scott the Red Ranger from Power Rangers RPM. But he's also been in Terra Nova, Spartacus, and most recently, Marvel's Jessica Jones. I'm really excited about seeing Eka Darville. Yeah, I would too. I feel like you don't see him at a lot of conventions. Yeah, just in general, like not even at Comic-Con or anything. I yeah. Next, Alan Palmer, uh, Corcus, the Black Ranger from Mighty Morphin Alien Rangers, uh, and Zeo. And then a production person, James Bates. He's been working and writing in kids' entertainment since 95. He's run on 27... TV series with notable credits on Lego Star Wars, The Freemaker Adventures, Transformers Cybertron, Timon and Pumbaa, Penguins of Madagascar, Digimon Fusion, and Power Rangers Dino Charge. He also served as the co-story editor on Samurai, story editor on Super Samurai, and Power Rangers Megaforce, and the first set of episodes of Power Rangers Super Megaforce. So that's pretty cool. Then announced today, Sean C.W. Johnson, Carter, the Red Lightspeed Rescue Ranger. He's only going to be there on Saturday. George Vargas Jr., Blake, the Navy Ranger in Ninja Storm. Dwayne Cameron ties on the Mercury Ranger in Operation Overdrive. He also played Drew in SPD and Derek in an episode of Dino Thunder. 
Chip Lynn is going to be there, executive producer of Dino Charge and Super Dino Charge, as well as the upcoming Power Rangers Ninja Steel, but also known for his work on Turbo through Time Force, Jungle Fury, and also RPM. Romy J. Scharf, who was the first suit actor for Alpha 5 in MMPR, she will only be there on Saturday. Denny Logan, the suit actor for Elgar in Power Rangers Turbo, and Candace Kida, who played Barbara in Masked Rider. Unfortunately, there have been some cancellations. Chris Violette and Peter Marie Rickson, who played the movie Alpha 5, they have all canceled. Finally, to end our news about Power Morphicon, the art gallery Q-Pop has teamed up with Power Morphicon to host the Power Morphicon, a Mighty Morphin Power Rangers art exhibition. There's a whole bunch of participating artists. I don't recognize a lot of them, but you can go to their website for more details. They will have an opening event the Friday of Paramorphicon, and they will be open throughout the entire convention. Really looking forward to seeing some high art with Power Rangers in it. So, I know Jeremy's waiting a long time, but we're just going to dive right in to our main topic, Boom Studios Power Ranger Comics. Just a quick synopsis, these comics take place in Angel Grove in the year 2015, Issue 1 begins a Green Ranger Year 1 story arc where Tommy Oliver, the Green Ranger, has broken free of Rita Repulse's control and joined the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. However, he suffers the side effects of having been brainwashed by evil. Uh, the creative team includes Kyle Higgins, the writer for the series, Steve Orlando, co-writer, Margaret Scott, also a co-writer, Hendry Persetia, who is the main artist, at least through issues zero through four. There have been a metric F ton of variants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I can't scientific term. wrap my head around all of that at all. I feel like it gets lost in yeah. the big sea of all these things. When they had the helmet variants, where yeah. they would stand in front and they pulled the, the helmets. I thought that was cool. And then all of a sudden they came out with the Rita with the helmet. And then they came out with... The Green uh, Ranger with the Sword of Darkness. The sword of, yes. I was wondering how long they were going to continue that. <laughs> you know, like, is there going to be an Alpha 5 with the viewing globe? <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. I, it could just go on forever. Yeah, there are a lot of variants, but I like that there are some, like, themes with the variants. Like, right. they're doing the action figure covers that look like action figure packaging which i have all of those i really like those um, now do you, you go ever go on like ranger forums and stuff like that or any kind of communities where you're uh looking at people posting up their finds and they post up those copies of the book and you always get the people that are like what figures are those they actually <laughs> trick people into thinking they're actual figures <laughs> i have not seen that Oh, it drives me nuts every time I read it. I'm just like, these <laughs> things have been out for months. <laughs> yeah. I only really keep up with uh, Ranger Board for the most part. And uh, Ranger Board has a great threat. They've collected all of the variants together. So they have a big opening post with all of the different covers. Probably takes forever to load, like, the Ranger Key thread. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but once you have it, uh, you know, in your cache... It's all good. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I've collected the action figure ones. I've also collected the villain ones. I thought the Scorpino one was gorgeous. 
Uh, I love yep. that art style. There was a really cool one of like Babu, and it's just his entire face taken up the cover, and it's really detailed, which is pretty cool. I've also collected like those uh, Japanese samurai warrior variants. Yeah, with, like the suit waves and the finger waves and stuff like yeah, that. On. Yeah, yeah, those are awesome. those are really cool, and I definitely want to make a frame of those too because it actually forms. They can all kind of connect, and it forms like a big mural. Yeah, it would look like a giant scroll. Yeah, which is really awesome. I haven't collected all of the variants just because at least my local comic shop isn't carrying all of them. I found out through our mutual friend Jordan Deno at Toku Nation, because he works at a comic book shop. He says the comic book shops have to keep up their orders, like a certain number of orders, to keep getting the variant covers. So it just becomes like a diminishing returns at some point where they got to keep their numbers up. But if they're not selling them, then they're less inclined to order that same number in the future. So at one point, it was like last month, my comic book guy said, hey, I don't know how much longer we're going to be getting these variants. Right. Thankfully, they have kept getting the variants I've been collecting, but I'm definitely picking and choosing which ones I get. But Overall, I do like the variants, but at one point, it's just like, okay, you guys got to slow it down. Not every issue can have 20 variants. Yeah, and I'm wondering the print numbers on these and the returns that everybody is getting, you know, because being able to pay the, the creators on the book, plus all the different kind of covers, each kind of run, that runs up another hit in the budget. So yeah, I was like, how long before that takes a toll on the entire series? I would rather have less variant covers to be able to continue the awesome story that in further it on, you know? Absolutely. And I actually want to talk about the success of this comic series a little bit because I remember issue one, it sold out before it even hit the street. There was already second and I think it went to a third pressing for that issue. And I think it was still one of the top comic books, at least for the first few issues i haven't caught up with any of the sales numbers since but for a while i mean it was outselling even major dc and marvel type books which is crazy to me so i'm positive that it'll keep going on for a while but i haven't collected comics in about 10 years like regularly and this got me back into going to my comic book shop monthly This series did it for me. And now I'm discovering other comic books. I went to Jay's Comics here locally because I've been hearing about, not to sidetrack this too much, but I've heard so much, so many of my friends talk about this comic book series called Saga from Image Comics. And Mm -hmm. I was like, you know what? I want to check this out. And the comic book shop I went to, they had a MMPR variant that I didn't have and I bought it. And the guy was like, hey, are you looking for anything else? I'm like, well, you know, I've been hearing a lot about this uh, saga or whatever. And he's like, well, we have the first six volumes. You're in luck because it's buy two graphic novels, get the third free. If you buy all of them, you can get two of these volumes for free. I was like, you know what? Why the hell not? (laughs) I, in the past two days, I've completely read the first three volumes. Like, I am totally engrossed in it and on top of that the comic book guy was like well hey since you're buying you know all this stuff here's two free issues of a couple other series that i think you'll like if you like this and it was one was paper girls 
Um, and I forgot what the other one is, but I read Paper Girls issue one. I love Paper Girls, man. Yeah. It's such an amazing book. If you watch Stranger Things on Netflix. I did. It instantly reminded me of that. Yes. <laughs> it's that same, like it touched on nostalgia and, you know, it just gives you the, that feel of like 80s films. And it was unexpected for me, too. I went in it hearing a bunch of people talk about it. Like you said, not to get sidetracked from the, right. the Power Ranger books, but uh, <laughs> this title was just, everybody was talking about it. And I was like, all right, I want to give it a go. You know, Cliff Chang, he's got really nice art yeah. and it's really strong. And so I'm like, all right, I want to give it a go. And I read it and it was not what I was expecting at all. Even after reading like the first five pages, I'm like, okay, I know where this is kind of heading. This is kind of <laughs> cool. But yeah. by the end of the first issue, I'm like, I need more. Yeah, that twist at the end of the first issue, I'm like, whoa, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, I, I'm not going to spoil that for anyone. But, no, what I'm saying is, because of my love of Power Rangers, and now this Boom Studios comic, now I'm regularly visiting my comic book shop. Find yourself getting introduced to things that you necessarily wouldn't have. Exactly. That's and, amazing. Yeah, and I think that's the power of a good comic book series, it was just a horrible book. Like, if it was like, yeah. I'm not going to flame it, but like, if it were like the Hamilton series, <laughs> you wouldn't be going to the shop every month when it comes out. You'd be exactly. like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to collect that, you know, somewhere down the line on eBay. Right. And that's the thing. I'm going there on release day so I can get my variants so they don't <laughs> sell out. And I actually look forward to new comic book day now, which is awesome. So I really hope this series continues. But let's talk about the story a little bit. Issue zero, it just introduces kind of the style that they're going for. But a lot of this deals with Tommy and fitting in with the team after he regains control of his powers and all that. But the first issue, I think, starts off in a really interesting way because they're showing Bulk and Skull not as bullies, but as basically YouTubers. Yeah, I love yeah. that. Of Ranger Station. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> I was writing down notes for the show, and yeah. I was like, I wonder if they feel like Ranger Command Power on Earth. I wonder if you guys feel like you are this universe's Ranger Station. <laughs> <laughs> I almost feel that way. I was like, man, it's crazy, because Bulk and Skull, and Skull's like, yeah, become a premium subscriber to Ranger Station. I'm like, <laughs> right. like God damn it, do they have their own Patreon? Like, what's that? <laughs> or is Kyle, like, totally lifting from you guys? Oh, God. I, I doubt. I don't even know if he listens to this stuff. But, uh, but no, <laughs> for a first issue, for the first few pages, I like that we're getting introduced to the Ranger's background through two civilian characters that have their own Oh, show. yeah, and they're totally not slapsticky at all. They're actually kind of not necessarily more likable, but I'm there with them. Instead yeah. of being, oh, man, here comes Bulkus Skull. There's the tuba. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because half the issue, or well, not half, but the first six pages is them introducing us to the Power Rangers. And at one point, they're actually interviewing people, and they interview Billy and Trini, and they even interview Tommy at the end of that segment. I think it's hilarious that they're kind of like, it's cool, they're all working together, yay, without, yeah, we're the Power Rangers. <laughs> right. And I love how Tommy just kind of throws him shade, and he's like, yeah, I don't have time for this, I'll, I'll answer your questions later. <laughs> 
we get a little bit of Kimberly and, and Tommy. So we see that flirtation that was also in the show. But I wanted to ask you guys, what do you think about them updating this to like a 2015 kind of alternate universe of the Power Rangers? I think it's fun. Yeah, I agree with Zach. I think uh, seeing all the like PDAs and the news, like smartphones and everything, that kind of takes away from like the communicators and everything. Right. But it's like untraceable, I guess, the communicators. But the one thing that really stuck out for me when I was reading the issue was that joke from you want to go out for coffee? And Tommy looks at Kimberly and goes, I thought you were more of a juice girl. (laughs) (laughs) Like that whole thing. I feel like that kind of thing right there is like kind of pushing. We're always going to Starbucks or your local barista or whatever. Well, I think also because in the series, we got really dated references. Like whenever somebody's communicator would go off and like Miss Appleby or somebody would say, no beepers allowed in class. And you're like, (laughs) oh man. Episode not, not too long ago. I think it was like, last week and i'm just like oh man come on it's not a beeper man no no come on tommy do something (laughs) but yeah bringing it to the modern time is is definitely a neat twist to the story it just keeps it fresh and you know i think that's one of the things that makes it a little bit more likable Mm -hmm. not necessarily that you know rewatching the show is unlikable i mean there's some toothache episodes where you're just like i can't get through this (laughs) but you're watching it out of nostalgia's sake but this actually seems like a relevant story and mixing that with the things that you loved about the show i mean i don't know about you guys but superpowers cool costumes weapons and giant battles (laughs) Mm -hmm. that is not a recipe for disaster And that's what I love about a comic book series, like I mentioned in our last episode, in regards to animation. Well, the same thing applies with comics. You can go anywhere in the Power Rangers universe. You can have crazy monster versus Zord fights that you would never see in the show because it would blow the budget out of the water. Oh, yeah. That's one of the things I like about Hendry's work. He just has all this background work, and it's all intricate. And so he puts a lot into each panel, and he sells it, and the battles feel like you're there. I love all the details he has, because in issue one, the first shot of Rita's palace, it matches the Sentai shot so closely. It says Bandora Palace. Yeah, I was going to say, and I love that that detail carried over from the show into the comics, that they they had the foresight to be like, let's make it say Bandora Palace as a nice little wink and a nudge. Yeah, Yeah, that's the very first thing I have on my notes here. I have for issue number zero. The first thing in all bold letters with exclamation points. Pandora's <laughs> Palace! Yeah. They kept the villain costumes for the most part the same, but the Rangers themselves get an appropriate 2015 wardrobe instead of the, mm-hmm. the funky fresh 90s. Right, right. They're not wearing 90s primary color full outfit. Yeah. I don't know if I'm wrong or not, so don't quote me on it, but I do think Kevin Wada actually designed the characters for this. Oh, okay. And he went to school for fashion design, so there's a lot of great things there. That's cool, yeah. The fashions look like something you could just go to the mall right now and just pick up. A lot of thought actually goes into these characters. That's one of the things that I was going to touch base on, talking about the Paper Cut series. Now, this seems like it's written by and created by a lot of people that actually care about the franchise. Yeah. And the Paper Cut stuff, it seems like you got your dossier of this needs to be in this book, and you create the book. Which is why you get things like Spike 
coming up. Or in that free comic book day, like what Trini gets hit by a car. Yeah, like, which was just, like, my God. Come on. There, yeah. there were so, so many things that were wrong with that. Yeah, there's a lot of things wrong. But with this, I've listened to a lot of interviews with Kyle Higgins, just coming from a writer's perspective. And yeah, there are some things that, you know, have to go through Saban Brand's approval, of course. But this is a real fan that's writing like a real comic, telling a story that expands what we saw in the show. You know, we didn't get to see a lot of the repercussions or what was going on in Tommy's mind through the television show. And to have this angle that the books are taking, where Rita is basically messing with his head, and it's like this weird, she's trying to still regain his power and manipulate him. It adds a whole nother layer to Rita's character and how devious she can be. But it also mm-hmm. really highlights the struggle of what Tommy is going through. Yeah, I really love that addition. The idea that he's having these hallucinations, these visions of her, where she's just like, you know, you're not strong enough to do this on your own. You need me and your power will be mine again. That's a really unique way to see the sort of inner turmoil that he has going on. Yeah, I do like in this five-issue arc that Scorpina is getting a spotlight early on in the series because she was... A interesting character in the show that we didn't get to see a lot of. And mm-hmm. it's great to see her in action fighting against Tommy in these issues. And in the second issue, she's beaming into his home. A shot with her and her sword up against his throat. Yeah. That's what sold me on, I am definitely going to continue this book. Like, there is no way I'm going to miss the next issue. I need it now. (laughs) And the fact that Tommy teleported away and grabbed her in the teleportation beam just to get away from his house was awesome. Yeah, it's just that, oh man, you can't be here with my mom. So I got to get you out of here. And that adds another layer to the character that we never seen in the live action show. This sequence of events, the attacking in the home, I was a kid thinking that, like, you know, how come, okay, Rita knows their identities. How come she never, like, sends a monster to their house? Like, that's when they're really vulnerable. And it happens in this comic, and you're just like, this is great, because this is something that I thought of as a plot hole when I was a kid. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's how the first issue ends, with Scorpina having the sword to his throat. But I just want to go back to the one other thing that happens in the first issue, that Tommy and Kimberly are basically fighting in Zordon's danger room. Mm-hmm. Right. Like how flippin' awesome is that? Yeah. yeah, to have those training sequences, you can't prepare yourself for the kind of battles that Rita's going to throw at you just being some random teenagers given some morphers. You had to have Billy break down the word of metamorphosis. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) So it's really nice to see that they're in there and they have like the fake cityscapes. Like you said, the Zordon's danger room. I don't know if that's because I was a Marvel kid growing up. I loved X-Men and I loved everything that the X-Men had at their disposals. And the danger room was like one of the, the coolest things for me with all the robots coming out of the walls and being able to be anywhere and put in any situation and to be able to train in that without being super worried about dying. You're not going to come out of there clean. You're still going to get injured. Right. But there's some of that severity there. That addition to this team, to this franchise, you know, a lot of people are worried about the movie being updated and everything. I can't wait. Like, I can't wait for the movie. 
if Saban Brands has their hands in this comic and what they're going to do for that movie, I'm really hopeful and I can't wait. Yeah, this comic just goes to show me that at least Saban Brands is now getting people that get the show but are willing to push it bigger. And I think that's what we're going to see more of in the movie. But yeah, if the comics keep going the way they are, then hell yeah, I don't care if it is Mighty Morphin. I do enjoy the new take on the characters. Oh and, man, yeah. that just brought up a question that I have not even asked myself. Sure. Do you think there is the availability of doing Zeo or going further in the comic? I would love if they did. Maybe that's what they can use these other miniseries for. But right now, I think, at least in issue two of Pink, they mention that Jason Lee Scott, who wasn't a ranger, I guess, at the time the Pink series was taking place, apparently he was on another mission with Zordon, and they kind of hint at that. So I'm like... Okay, is MMPR Red the next miniseries that we're going to get? Which would be cool. But yeah, I think for right now, they're comfortable with sticking just to Power Rangers. And actually in our comments, Chris uh, Rankle, Kickback, he actually suggested Boom Studios to take a chance and do like another series. But I think right now, MMPR is just going to continue to sell. It's what the movie is. It's what these comics are. There's no denying that nostalgia sells. But what I'm saying is I don't mind that it's Mighty Morphin if the stories are this good and they're exploring aspects of the show that we haven't seen before, which oh, right yeah. now is what they're doing. It's like the director's cut of the legacy collection that we never got. <laughs> exactly. That's a good way to look at it. So I'm moving on to issue two. Issue two starts out with another cool thing that we never got to see in the show. Tree the interior workings. Yes. Words, man. Yes. <laughs> Tree like, how cool is this? Billy. Uh, I have it open. You, you got it in front of you? Yeah. That door right there, man, with the, yep. like, the water yep. wheel, the pressure wheel. Because the dragon's oar goes underwater, so of course you would have a pressure right. wheel like a submarine. Yeah, it's really well thought out. It's Hendry who's drawing these. The attention to detail, like you talked about early, Jeremy, was the details all right here. They're in the cockpit, and you can see the shape of the Dragonzord's eyes. It's such a great detail. All these little things, they yeah. just help you geek out. And those are the kind of things that solidify my purchase, you know? I'm yeah. looking at it going, man, I'm so glad I bought this book. <laughs> And yeah, they even have an establishing shot of the dragon zord in the ocean, and you have like a whale and two sharks swimming around. It's crazy. Yeah, when you're reading the first, I mean, no spoilers. I mean, people should have picked it up and read it already, right? Yeah. Well, but, yeah, I mean, spoiler, this whole thing is going to be a spoiler if you haven't read it. Right. The first few pages, you don't expect them with all the shots that they chose. Hendry does a really amazing job directing your attention away from the possibility that it might be underwater. So by that third, fourth page, you turn it over and they're underwater. I'm just like, that's amazing. I've never seen that before. It's fresh. <laughs> mm -hmm. There's a great uh, morphed fight between the Green Ranger and Scorpina in the woods. I want to touch on uh, yeah. injuries, the way he controls the morphing sequences. Every time that I've seen a morphing sequence in this title, it's always been powerful. Mm -hmm. It's not just some kind of, eh, dragon's away. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Man, <laughs> like this image of Tommy, you can just hear Jason David Frank just belt out Dragon Sword. Yeah, right. Yeah, I hear that 
while I'm looking at these images, and I really appreciate that. Yeah, you can you can really sense it. And to have that morph, him glowing on one page, and you flip the next page over, and the first panel is the Green Ranger coming out of the energy of that morph, is yeah, freaking and fantastic. Like, and he's in battle stance, and all he says is, like, come get it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, just, yeah. I'm in it. I'm wrapped up into this world, and I want to keep going. There's nothing that's going to pull me out of this fight. Exactly. Then we cut to Kimberly and Jason. Jason's still teaching karate at Angel Grove Karate. So they take Ernie's out of the picture, at least for right now. Well, they have the budget for a lot more set pieces, so... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So we go right back into the fight. So yeah, Tommy needs help. We gotta get there. Great putty fight, and also showing more power with the putties, more that they're actually made of clay. Yeah. Which is great, because that's something you always wanted to see in the show, but they didn't involve it with the battle, because that would have been too much... CGI or whatever. <laughs> they could have been a lot more interesting minions than they actually were. Mm-hmm. Especially later on when Zed came along and you got the Z putties and all you had to do was just tap their chest. I mean, that was probably the weakest thing about the putties. You just kind of throw them under the rug like, oh, let's get the putties over with. Let's get to the main fight and let's get big. But this book here, this book is just like, all right, so I'm invested in the putty fight. And that tells me that it's good writing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, when you can get invested in a fight with putties, yeah, they're doing (laughs) something right. (laughs) And so the other rangers show up, black, red, and pink, and they help Tommy. Meanwhile, you got Tommy on the sidelines, and there's Rita's ghost again whispering in his ear. And then after the fight, Jason's trying to comfort him, saying, Hey, I know you did everything you could, but we're a team. And then Tommy kind of brushes him off. And once they're back into the command center, you start to see that tension between Jason, Tommy, and the rest of the team. Yeah. At the very beginning, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm siding with Jason. He's trying to console Tommy. Something's messed up. We didn't get it this time, so don't don't feel bad. We got you. We're out of here. We're safe. And then he's like, yeah, you don't get me. And he becomes <laughs> this big fan canoe. There is nothing that supports that except for the fact that he's hiding something. Right. Then, right at the end of issue two, Tommy actually wants to come out and say, hey guys, something's up, but then he just passes out. Moving on to issue three, we get the opening shot, and holy cow, it's the exact same green with evil dimension. I need to go get my morpher back. But the fact that they replicated the set exactly for this comic book, again, (laughs) it's that attention to detail. It's got the cheap no ceiling. Like, you can see the backdrop above the ceiling. I love it. Goldar is banished there because of his own honor that he couldn't defeat the Green Ranger. That's giving Goldar a little bit more of a dimension of character, too. Especially when he says, did my queen send you? Which is like a callback to the first season of Mighty Morphin when he calls her, you know, my my Empress and, you yeah. know, all that stuff. So uh-huh. it, it's, you can hear, the writing is good enough where you can hear the characters' voices as you're reading the comic. Yeah. And these next few pages after, especially this next page, man. <laughs> that last panel, that is amazing. Showing what Zach was mentioning earlier the inner workings of the manipulation that Rita has within Tommy's brain and how deep it goes and what, what he's actually going through. Because in the show, it just, it just looks like Tommy's a jerk. 
And he's having fun kind of being kind of evil until he gets woken up from the spell that Rita has on him. But this here, you see it's a lot more than that. There's actual physical and mental abuse that's happening with Tommy, which if I think about it, from this book, it makes sense why he was hardly ever around at the beginning of every battle in the seasons because he's got to go meditate in the park or, or he's got to go do this. He doesn't have time to battle, and it's a good thing because Rita's got her like claws in his head. Yeah. And I'm glad the comic is diving more into that because it's brutal. She was basically in a vision pretending to be his mom. And then she rips off her face and it's Rita. It's like, holy shit, that is completely mind warping. Right. And you, you just kind of think, well, if I would have known that back in the show, this was going on with Tommy. Like, you know how many kids would have been scared? So I guess, you know, you can't show that kind of stuff on like Mark's <laughs> kids. This is the kind of stuff I want. And, you know, not to put too much credit on Jason David Frank, but when he says something, you know, a few years ago when he's talking about how he wants to do a more darker Green Ranger this is the kind of stuff I want here. Not whatever he's thinking. You know, <laughs> exactly. I want, <laughs> you know what? If we could just adapt this into a movie, that would be awesome. Yeah, which would be great. So this whole time in these three issues, it was kind of mysterious what Rita's plan was. And there's this weird thing with this crystal and you didn't know what was happening. Well, basically she's siphoning off his power into another crystal. And in this third issue, because of the previous battle, when he stuck his dagger through a putty, it's brilliant because they use that fallen putty to make basically a mold of the dragon dagger to fuse right. with the crystal. And I'm like, holy crap, now we got prop making into this. This is crazy. <laughs> right. <laughs> And you, you get to see a little bit more of Finster's role because he was just a stupid dolt that modeled little figurines and put them through the little clay maker. Right. But here you actually see that he's more of the all around workshop dude. Like he can blacksmith, he can create all these monsters. He probably creates a lot of the weapons for the actual monsters themselves. And it's like not clay weapons, but he's a little bit more badass. Oh, and yeah. there's just so much depth given to each and every character. It's not, this is the Power Rangers book. It's the franchise's book, and that's really amazing. There's that one panel where Finster is pouring the metal into the putty. I've never seen Finster look more evil than that panel. Like, right? Finster looks creepy. He looked silly in the show, but this makes him look like an evil troll. Yeah. And using those existing character designs from the original show, because the monsters still look the same, it's just the teens that are updated. Then we get like a nice one-on-one -on -one with Trini and Tommy as he's getting taken care of. Then they have to go outside and battle whatever monster is going on. And we get this really cool sequence of them trying to contain the dragon's sword, and Trini calls the saber to tiger, and you got this great shot. It's only like an eighth of the page panel. You yeah, but that is probably one of my favorite shots in the whole series, <laughs> to be honest. Trini is my number one ranger. Like, yeah. If I could get away with cosplaying as Trini, I probably would. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, I could pass it off as boy, but Trini was always my favorite. She yeah. was the smartest, and I think she was even smarter than Billy. But Billy put it into practice. Oh, yeah. And that panel with the freaking saber-tooth tiger 
next that to the command center. It, was it, it shows how huge these lords actually are. Like I said, Hendry's environment work is just top notch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is. This whole and sequence, the next page, man, the battle. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, the actual battle. I'm always a sucker for individual Zord fights in the show. Whenever the individual Zords get a chance to shine, it's rare, but when it happens, it's such a cool moment. But this is showing that the comet can do that at any time, because this entire sequence is inside Tommy's head. It's a dream. It's not even real. Right. <laughs> and then that's the thing where at the very end, you're like, why can't that be real? That was awesome. <laughs> And he's like, are you okay? (laughs) (laughs) That whole sequence, they would have never done that in the show just for a dream. (laughs) Right, it would have cost way too much money. Yeah. So then we go back to the teens inside just a local diner or whatever. And that's the thing. It's not Ernie's. They can go wherever. There is a lot of dialogue, and I'm glad that it's not just all action. It's the yeah. team communicating and trying to figure out what's wrong with Tommy. And we even get more for Zordon to do, which is good. But the third issue ends with the Dragon Zord being awoken, but now it's piloted by Scorpina with the fake Dragon Dagger. And the to-be-continued shot is like something from a Godzilla film, because <laughs> you can see the Dragon Zord under the water in a silhouette and there's a freaking cruise ship right above it it's awesome that replicated dragon dagger that looks like the san diego <laughs> exclusive and it looks like one of plastic geeks uh kailash one of his energems yeah energems just stuck on it i'm like <laughs> i wonder how long it's gonna take for somebody to be a like super fan of the comic to put that together i don't think it would take much at all to put that together <laughs> no, I mean, just I, I'm not going to do it. There's somebody out there that's like, man, I'm going to be the first one to get this done. <laughs> because they're, they're already making, getting off topic here, but mm-hmm. the prop makes mad, mad respect for them because they're already figuring out how to make replicas of the San Diego power coins for the movie. And yeah. it's just amazing what they're doing right now. Matt Wilson, he's a prop maker. Like He's got like one already fully done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Plastic Geek, my buddy Jason, also known as Kailash, he already figured out the etching pattern. Like he illustrated that techie pattern on the coins. Yeah, and I he's think I already see- laser etched it on three inch magnifying lens to yeah, start making catch- the shape. Yeah. I was catching up on that. And now he's trying to figure out how to get the image on the inside. Just watching the whole process and reading through him and Stuntastic going through and, you know, helping each other out. That's part of Ranger Nation, right? That's what I think of when I think of this fandom. Yeah. And how it should be. You got a lot of these prop makers in some kind of fandoms, they would fight against each other and be like, I want to come out first with it. But there's like unity here. And that's like the spirit of Power Rangers. And I just want to kind of bring that up as I talk about that. (laughs) No, absolutely. And it almost reminds me of, because I've been on the replica prop form for years, like more than 15 years, and threads like like what's happening with these power coins remind me of that community spirit where the entire prop community comes together to try and figure out, well, how the heck did they make that, and can we replicate that? I nerd out on discussions like that, and... It's so awesome, you're right, to see the community come together to figure something out 
so that they can make it and so everyone in the fandom can have their own like replica. Right. And th- that's awesome. It hasn't even been a week since San Diego. Um, a little bit more than a week, but there's already fans that are, that are trying to make these coins and doing all this work. And I think that's the power of a really passionate fandom, but getting back to issue four, let's talk about the the main cover for this. You, where you got the the main monster, his mouth is about to swallow the entire (laughs) team. But seeing the preview image for the next issue, I'm just like, I would have never seen this on the show Ever. This is incredible. Yeah, the fact that, you know, they're going against a Megazord-sized monster just morphed without their Zords is freaking cool. With their weapons hanging out and everything, and they're just charging in like, we're actually going to do some damage. <laughs> yeah. He's got, like, this pulsing laser charging in his mouth about to just blow him away. Yeah. This kind of shows that heroic aspect of the Rangers. The cover, all these Jamal Campbell covers... I have to say, I'm glad that he's the cover artist for this because they all look amazing. Just the regular yeah. covers themselves are absolutely fantastic. Yeah, that's what I chose to get. You know, I never dived into the, the variants. My collector sensibility, if I would have started grabbing one, I would have to get all the other ones. And sure. I would have broke myself nuts. Don't get me wrong, there's a lot of amazing covers, but the ones that I would like, you know, I'd love it if they came out with uh, posters. I, I would hang up prints and posters on my wall or keep a collection of them. Mm-hmm. But the convicts themselves, to chase them down, like in the back of one of the issues that we just went through, uh, number three, they had an ad for the Acme Archives prints. Yes, those, which I have all of those, and they're yeah, awesome. Those are amazing looking. But yeah, these covers I chose because they were so strong. I mean, if they weren't any good, you know, I probably would pick and choose month to month, like, oh, I like that one the best, or this one the best. But I've always just hit the solid main cover because they are phenomenal, or more phenomenal, if you will. <laughs> big, big props to Jamaler. Oh, yeah. So moving on to issue four, we see the Dragon Zord actually go all Godzilla on the cruise ship. And then you've got the teams in the command center, and then they do their first, like, full team morph in the comic. And I really love the layout of this page because it's like the show where you've got, you know, Mass on, Super 2 Tiger, all that stuff. You see that in the first panel. You see the kind of transporter outside of the command center. Then at the same time, you've got Jason going, we need Dragon's Orb power now. And then you see the individual close-up shots of the faces of the Zords and you can slice this page down vertically in five parts because it follows Trini's panel, uh, Jason's panel. What a great layout. Yeah. Like I said, Hendry had knocked it out of the park. Everything about all the warp sequences, like I said, screen power. And I love talk a little bit about the colorist here. Yeah. Matt Arms. Just because these dinosaurs on the very bottom of this page, you can see how their eyes have just been like activated, and mm-hmm. so you just, you just get that like I'm expecting lightning bolts to like surge around them now. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I could feel that because of all the episodes that we watched when we were kids, and you know still watch today. This team has done an amazing job. 
As a kid, and even growing up, I always love when they call the Zords, the Mighty Morphin Zords, because I always love that full sequence of all of them, like, busting out of the woods or the volcano or through the desert. That full sequence really gets you fired up. You know right? that there's a battle coming. And, and you don't even care, like, that these things are, like, regions and worlds apart. <laughs> like, <laughs> How long is it going to take them to get to the battle? <laughs> but you got this, and like when I see this page, I'm totally hearing Ron Wasserman's theme music in the back. Oh, oh yeah, for sure. Very well done. This team has done an amazing job keeping up with what I think Power Rangers should be. Mm-hmm. Just going back to that panel with all five close-up shots of the Zords, that almost feels like something from freaking Voltron or something, where... Like some really sick anime. Yeah, that's what I love about this. And then now we get our first full Zord fight of this series in issue four, because the Dragon Zord is attacking Fisherman's Wharf in San Francisco, and it's like, I've been there. I know what that looks like, and it's like, no, not that place. (laughs) (laughs) You get a little trolley car there the street car getting knocked over yeah and then that bottom shot that that hook shot at the very bottom of the page that makes you want to, that page turner where's that chain coming from and like holy- that coming in and grabbing onto the dragon sword's leg and holy crap it's billy's those horn chains that we it's saw so like, awesome that we saw maybe like two times in the show if that yeah yeah i, I always love when we comic. get to see the individual zords weapons in use oh yeah yes i remember showing this to my son one of his favorite things to say when he's like totally bewildered he'll go what the h <laughs> <laughs> so anytime like he's totally in awe that's what he goes to and so he just sit there and he goes oh, what the h <laughs> and he's there looking at these chains coming out he's like i didn't know i could do that and then, so he like ryan grabs like i bought him a junker megazord yeah and so like he's got it and he's like pulling like the starlight studios horns out and he's like where's the chains at Dad, you got to put chains on it. His enthusiasm for the series and everything like that refuels it in me. And so when he gets excited, I'm just like, a lot of people get down and out about people coming to him like, why do you collect toys and that kind of stuff? Isn't that for kids? And I'm sure you guys have heard it all as well. Oh, yeah. At some point in in your life or, you know, why do you spend so much money on these toys? Because it can get pricey. And sometimes a lot of people don't understand, but... It's that right there for me. Like, my mm-hmm. kid, I'd say about a month ago, I bought that Imagine X Megazord. Nice. And it was on sale for, like, 30 bucks. I was like, okay, 30 bucks for that. That's that's pretty good price for me. <laughs> I bought it, and he's been playing with it, like, almost every day. He'll knock it out, and he'll have the figures up in there. He'll shoot the power coins out and everything. But, yeah, showing him this panel of, like, the sequence of the chains coming out of the Triceratops, that was, like, one of the most amazing things for him. And so I'm glad that they're doing this because it really freshens everything up. And like Zach was saying, you just get all these powers individually. We didn't get enough of that in the show. Yeah. It's it, like I said, it's always really cool to see when the Zords get to use their own personal attacks. So having these chains come out as a way to sort of lasso the dragon sword is really cool. Now, do you think if they actually did that stuff in the show, if they budgeted a little bit more like Saban Brands, do you think they would have sold more toys? Like a chain release Triceratops toy? 
I would have bought that. I would buy one in a heartbeat. <laughs> I would have totally bought one, too. <laughs> like, I love those Imagine X ones, man, because they're fun. The Triceratops specifically, because in the show, when you see the Triceratops coming about to transform, it does not look like the, the brick that we got when we were kids. <laughs> it's like a pecan log, <laughs> you know? And yeah. when uh, you see it, it's got, like, the legs and everything's moving. And so, like, the Imagine X, I feel, is probably... The closest to screen accurate is we're going to get right now for that specific single Zord. <laughs> mm. Well, another thing that this comic did, which was never seen in the show, the freaking Triceratops has an underwater mode. Yeah. yeah. It's got a, su- a freaking submarine mode. That's and awesome. That's kind of makes you wonder, what, what are these other abilities that these things can do? And so that opens up a giant room full of things that they can throw in. Yeah, and this whole issue, the battle is taking place in the pier, and we even see the Mastodon kind of floating on water. So it seems like they they can all be kind of um, amphibious in a way, which is really cool. And then Fincer creates this freaking shark monster. It's a really good monster design. And it feels like a season one Mighty Morphin monster. Right. You can hear that creepy voice. It's like, ah, I'm going to get you. (laughs) You know? And then we get to see more of the Zord's battle. The Megazord hasn't even been formed at this point. And we've got the Pterodactyl Zord firing the lasers from the wingtips. We got the T-Rex smashing his tail and whipping it against the Dragon Zord. This is yeah, all like, really awesome stuff. All for one and one for all. You're coming together without actually combining because you don't really need to all the time. And so to see that, it's pretty sweet. And then you got more use of the Triceratops blasters that everybody loses on the toy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There's this thing where Rita is, again, trying to break down Tommy because he's watching this battle. But then he gives himself a pep talk and breaks her spell in a way. I love how down there at that last panel when he breaks into it after he gives himself that pep talk. Yeah. That last panel, how she just like kind of turns to dust and just starts to float away. Yeah, and he just walks right through her. Yeah, that's a great effect in this panel. The next page, it's very strong as well. Yeah, you see that confidence in Tommy that he's regained. It's great to see Rangers step up and do that against all odds type of thing. We go back to the battle, but Tommy just teleports right on top of the Dragon Zord's head, trying to regain control uh, from Scorpina. He gets knocked off, but the Pterodactyl Zord swoops in and catches him, which I thought was great. But he uses that momentum from the pterodactyl when it's in the air to basically dive bomb smash into the dragon zord's eye bust it which i thought was holy crap they would never do that in the show (laughs) i wonder what kind of insurance he has (laughs) i hope it's progressive now so we've gone most of this issue without the Megazord being formed, they finally form it. And it's an epic shot where it's fully formed. It's an epic crotch shot. Well, I mean, there's the crotch shot. I'm telling you on the next page. It's holding the power sword, and it's... Oh, yeah. 
it's standing in the ocean, like Pacific Rim style, and the lightning is just <laughs> blazing all around it. Freaking epic. Yeah. And then you got King Shark up here like, <laughs> <laughs> Kind of reminded me of that episode of uh, The Flash. <laughs> <laughs> that shot right underneath that, though, where he's swiping with the sword. I mean, Diasusion or, you know, Megazord is just so, such a great design. Mm-hmm. And to see that put into these different poses, I can't get enough of it in. And this whole time, Tommy is fighting Scorpion in the cockpit. He finally breaks that fake dagger. And then the bottom of that next page, you just see a triumphant shot of the Megazord basically stabbing the lower half of this shark monster. While in the background, Scorpina is just kind of basically exploding out of the Dragonzord's head. If I'm being totally honest here, it kind of looks like Megazord just did all the work. And Dragonzord's back there just, like, relieving himself on the city. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, kind of. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, hold on, dude, I'll be there in a second. I gotta take care of something. (laughs) (laughs) And then, uh, to close out the issue, we get another team shot. And funny, I didn't notice this when I was first reading it, but they've got Scorpina tied up with literal rope in the background, which I think is (laughs) hilarious. But they're all unhelmeted, which we did get to see a lot of in Mighty Morphin. To me, that's kind of a nice nod that they did that in this comic. Even Zack gets an attitude with Tommy, which I thought was an interesting bit of character development that wasn't in the show. It it seemed kind of weird because it wasn't in the show. I'm all for it, especially if we're talking about the next issue coming up. That's a really interesting turn of events and I really wasn't expecting it. So when I first read this issue, I was like, Oh man, really? Come on. He's coping, dude. (laughs) (laughs) You should have seen what was in his head. Go back a couple issues, read it. (laughs) When your mom pulls her face off and it's Rita, you can talk to me. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. To close off this comic, there's all these like ominous shots with the pieces of that broken dragon dagger. And it seems like the energy, or at least it, to me, it feels like they're suggesting that this evil energy is feeding off their negative emotions, which is what causes it to explode. And there's that last shot on one of the last few pages where they're saying, helmets back on. And they basically copied the last panel before it, but added this 3D helmets materializing on them. And I just thought that was a a really great shot. Yeah, we didn't get too much of that, because in the show you see them like putting it on and taking it off. Well, you don't actually see them taking it off. It's like the shot of the helmet above (laughs) their head. Yeah. Just lowering it. Yeah, I just pulled it <laughs> off, you know. <laughs> right? And, and it's so seamless, and they're not sweaty or anything, so it's totally believable. Like, we can totally breathe in these things. <laughs> and then we got uh, the helmet's just, I guess probably the best way I can describe that, just coming up and, like you said, materializing. You can mm-hmm. see the heads underneath. I thought that was really cool. I loved it when they do the visor shots in Power Rangers, where you can get a glimpse of the actor in the, the yes. helmet. and. Mm-hmm. It's like super, it's kind of like Tony Stark's Jarvis move. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I always love those shots. Without those, occasionally, you kind of forget that, you know, the characters are inside the suits. 
it's just a way to connect it more personally that, yeah, these are just teenagers fighting in these power suits. So, yeah, the issue closes off with the freaking command center exploding. And yeah, it's another mark on the belt of Hendry, man. That yeah. is incredibly detailed and... You can see part of the rocks that are in front of the command center are blown to hell and back, as well as the center itself. Yeah, it's it's a really great way to close out the issue, which now, getting into issue five, was a bit of a disappointment for me, because they leave you on this cliffhanger, which it takes place a month before Tommy even comes onto the scene and onto the team. And we actually have a different artist this issue, illustrated by Thony Silas. And I'm just going to say it, the artwork is still fine, but there were some parts of it where I wasn't a big fan of, like the morph suits. Some of the shots looked a little weird with the helmets and stuff. Um, It's still carrying on the story of the show. I mean, you still see the green with evil dimension, but... This whole issue is a take on a different side of the story where what if Tommy wasn't the first one that Rita approached to have the power? This issue kind of explains Zack's resentment towards Tommy that we saw in the last issue where Rita is trying to get Zack to be the Green Ranger, which I thought was a very interesting twist. Like you said, there are some things in the artwork where I'm like, it's totally drawn off model or, you know, it, it feels like it's kind of winged at that point. Right. And I'm looking at this page right here where uh, Zach is in the command center with Alpha talking to Zordon. And Alpha looks just about as tall as Zach. <laughs> right. And then the next panel, he's looking down at Alpha. And that's the kind of things that I feel like maybe the issue is rushed. And there's a lot of things that composition-wise, are well done, but there's a fight back in the pages where Mm -hmm. uh, you got the Red Ranger, and, like, his diamonds are just out of control. But Hendry, on the first four, just knocked it out of the park every time. Every shot was planned, and it was precise. Like, Mm -hmm. I didn't have to think about it. And so when we come into this, the excuse maybe of being a month prior, maybe another artist comes in and it'll be fine because it's a new storyline or it's kind of a side story, but it's jarring. Yeah. And it was drawing for me as a reader, but it is a cool concept. Like story wise, we get to see another country. We get to see Italy deal with their own monster, like a Greek God in a way. So I thought that was cool, but There's one shot where the Red Ranger is saving the... I think it was like the Prime Minister or the Ambassador for Italy. The Red Ranger is getting him out of the way, but he's also looking back over his shoulder at the same time. And And it's just one of those those, uh, Money Morphin Bendem figures. Yes! It's (laughs) It's this weird shot where you're like... How is that even anatomically possible? <laughs> and being a super nitpicky artist, because, yeah. like I said, Hendry, he understood the characters, he understood the character models, and the designs that went with it. And then now I'm looking at this, and the diamonds on the back are wrong, and it's super nitpicky for me, but it's coming off an almost perfect representation of the characters. And, you know, even though they were redesigned as their teens, the civilian selves, 
everything in that book was down to the letter. Like I will have to comb through that and really, really nitpick on things I don't like about it. That's going to be really severe. And that's going to make me sound super pretentious if I say something's wrong with that book, because it's nearly perfect as far as this franchise goes. Now, that's why these things are so jarring. And you got a lot of different stylistic things that are happening here. And there's a lot of liberties taken. And, oh, you know, even even with Rita's staff, it's not a yeah. full circle. It's like a crescent. It was never broken circle in the show. <laughs> yeah, some of the helmet shots they're a little off, and there's a lot of things that are not drawn to the detail that came before it. So it it's suffering right now from a really good headliner playing right. before the cover band. Or, you know, the opening act. And not that the opening act is bad. It's just we just saw Prince and now we're going to end up watching the local really hot band at the time. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if this is just a guest artist for this storyline because this issue does one of two things. Like issue four sets up that huge cliffhanger with the freaking command center exploding. And now the next issue we're getting this weird side story like what it breaks up the narrative not only artistically but it breaks up the narrative of the actual story the momentum is just totally lost it builds it up and builds it up and then you have that explosion you're like okay now what's next and then you come in and we get this political dude hanging out on this giant splash page Mm -hmm. so it's not a matter of bad writing or anything it's just like misplaced mm -hmm. because that's the thing this story is still good the writing is still on point because it's still kyle higgins and there's one point in this issue where she's trying to convince zach to be her evil green ranger and she says I know what it's like to be second in command, who has what it takes to lead. She's basically hinting at Lord Zed, which is funny because one of the variants for this issue is the Lord Zed villain cover. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So th there are hints of the story, and the story is still written from Kyle Higgins. It's just that the art throws it off in addition to having such a huge cliffhanger the issue before and not immediately resolving it. You know, I would almost have really preferred this being their issue zero issue, maybe backing that with the story that we got in issue zero. So it made it yeah. like a double, or even did like some cool, like, uh, you know, back in the old days, old days, <laughs> I'm talking like 80s, <laughs> 90s, where, you know, you buy a comic and then you flip it over and the cover would be upside down, and you had to flip it upside down yep. and read the second story. I forget what they're called. No, those I got you. Kind of those uh, double-sized issues. Yeah, and like when you're reading it, and all of a sudden, it, after the first story's done, you run into the ads, and they're all upside down. <laughs> you had to flip it over. <laughs> yeah. Like, that, that's kind of what I feel like this story here should have been. This should have been backed up with that one, because mm -hmm. we already just got through this storyline with... Tommy and what he just went through. And then now it seems like even though the Zach uh, potentially becoming the Green Ranger is a really interesting idea. I love the idea and I'm really, I was really psyched to read about it. It feels like the wind has already been taken out from that first arc. Like yeah. It doesn't hit me as, oh, this is something that could have been. It's because we already seen what was already happening. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like, I don't know, 
if pacing is right, but the the structure of the stories being put together, I think this one just came in a little late for me. I totally agree with that. I'm interested to see what issue six has in store for us. I hope they resolve that main cliffhanger from the first story, and I hope Hendry comes back as the artist. But now I want to move into Pink, which has only had two issues so far. This book is, like I said, <clears throat> I had no idea I would like this as much as I would. Yeah. I was surprised. So this series is actually written by Brendan Fletcher and Kelly Thompson and is illustrated by Danielle D. Niculio. And I love Danielle's art here. I yeah. love the way that she portrays Kimberly. I love the flow of the action. There's really great establishing shots in this issue. Basically, the setup for this series is that this takes place after Kimberly has gone to the Pan Global Games, like in her gymnastics competition. It covers the events that occur after the episode A Different Shade of Pink, which I think is a great unexplored little side story that they've never done before. We also get to dive a little bit into Kimberly's family history, her mom and her mom's boyfriend. It's great that we're catching on to an original character, but what happens after they leave being a Power Ranger? I think... The levels that they put into these characters, it actually made me like the character of Kimberly a lot more than I did the show. Same goes for me, because Kimberly in the show, originally she came off as just a vapid valley girl. But even in the show, she grew up and she moved on from that stereotypical personality. Pairing her up with Tommy, and it just became like the Kimberly Tommy show, and he affected her life so much. You know that, and some relationships that that happens, but that like I had no connection with that because mm-hmm. during the time of Power Rangers, I wasn't really thinking about relationships and stuff like that, so it didn't have any kind of weight on me, right? And so it was never really one of my favorite characters or my mm-hmm. favorite storylines, but this issue just totally blows that out of the water. Absolutely. And we also see Kimberly riding a motorcycle, which is kick-ass, but not unprecedented since they had the shark cycles. So she does have motorcycle riding experience. And it's one of those interesting things where you see how a ranger is affected in their personal life from being a Power Ranger. Yeah, I really like Kimberly in this leather. (laughs) (laughs) She looks absolutely bad. It's a total image change. And I like that she still has kept up with archery. Yeah, that is a big plus. Yeah, she's got her own bow and arrows. And I like how immediately she springs into action. She knows that her parents are missing, and she just busts out this kit. She laces up with the leather boots. She's got her own utility belt in a way. She dons her motorcycle gloves. She's got her quiver on. This is almost like the Green Arrow Pink Ranger edition going on here. And I love that. And it makes me feel like this series is showing people that just because you don't have the costume or you don't have the morph or the Zord, doesn't mean you can't be a Power Ranger. Exactly, and that's such a great message. And we also learn that she has a communicator in case of an emergency, 
Which is cool. Like, I'm glad that Zordon doesn't just throw his former rangers out into the wolves. (laughs) He actually gives them, like, keep your communicator. You can still contact us. It's not like you're never going to be a Power Ranger again or we're just by Felicia. None of that (laughs) stuff is happening. But we have a great shot of her trying to figure out what's wrong in the city. And we see her all fully geared up. It's awesome. She totally goes like Road Warrior for this. She does some unmorphed fighting with these creature from the Black Lagoon guys. Uh, yeah, I don't know what the, how to describe these guys other than, uh, you ever watch uh, Jake Long American Dragon? Yes. It looks like something from there. Like, I'm getting feelings of Food Dog about to pop up. But like, Jake, you've got to take care of this. <laughs> Yeah, and so she's fighting these guys, she's using tricks, she's using her gymnastics, and then she gets help with a local French guy. And I'm glad that they've kept in some of the French, like his French dialogue, not translated or anything. So I think that's a fun touch. They're trying to figure out what's going on. And it shows how, like, awesome she is at, like, her accuracy, because, like, she's got, like, these golden discs. Yeah. kind of throws out it's very reminiscent of bullseye or like hawkeye or something like that oh yeah i love vigilante kimberly it feels like when she's not doing gymnastics even after a power ranger she's probably going out into the night sometimes and like stopping purse snatchers or robbers (laughs) or something at the very end of this series what i really want to happen that that can't happen because continuity but i want her to come back to the team and lead the power rangers You know, like, that that's what I'm feeling here. I'm like, oh, you just need to go back. Tommy's probably the White Ranger now. Just kick him out because, you know, whatever. <laughs> no, it's great. And maybe since this is an alternate universe, maybe they can play around with things like that. I, I would want them to do that. You know, that'd be amazing. Like, a B-Squad Power Rangers where you've got Jason and Zack and Trini and you got Kimberly as your leader. <laughs> yeah. B-Squad Power Rangers, that'll never catch on. <laughs> But later on in the next issue, when we talk about that, you'll see the costumes and stuff. Before we get into that, so she does contact Zordon, and I really like the line, because there's like kind of like the Zordon hologram, and she says, whoa, good hologram, that's like ultra high def. Which, (laughs) I just love that, because we're still... It's a total callback. Yeah, yeah, it is. There's a touching moment where she's like, hey, I've missed you, and we have all missed you as well, Kimberly. And she explains the situation. This is the coolest in-continuity explanation. He explains that Kimberly still has pink energy inside of her from being a Power Ranger. And Zordon says that they can use the Sword of Light to reactivate that pink Power Ranger power temporarily. And Zordon can imbue his own personal power through the Sword of Light to reactivate. So he's putting himself on the line, which I think is great for a mentor to do. That's what a mentor should do to protect their team. So she gets imbued with the power again, but instead of the classic Mighty Morphin suit, it takes on the properties of her current Vigilante outfit. So it's a complete redesign of the Mighty Morphin pink suit with these elements of her own Vigilante suit. And to me, this was the most incredible part of this issue. I absolutely love this variant. Yeah, and that's where I'm going. Okay, so... uh 
Power Morphicon, you've got like some really cool stuff coming out. Please make a variant figure. <laughs> you know, I want, a, I want a, like, a little legacy vigilante Kimberly. <laughs> oh, I would love that. That would be incredible. So yeah, there's still one shoulder's got the shoulder pad like she had in her outfit. The suit has got the utility belt still and that leather <laughs> ribbing down the legs. And she's still got laced up leather boots. It's just a freaking cool Power Ranger costume. And I feel like it's something that someone could cosplay. Right. And, you know, another thing about designs, while we don't pass over it because it's a page, pages back, but that very first instance of Zordon popping up, mm-hmm. that, like, caring smile on his face, yeah, that just throws out so much emotion. He is actually happy to see her. Like, oh, thanks for using that communicator. Your family. That gets that kind of feeling out of me. And so I feel like they captured that really well. That Zordon uh, smiling, it reminds me of, like, in the show, there was a couple times where Zordon would have, like, that smile laugh, and his head would go up, and he'd kind of be nodding, smiling. Yeah, like when uh, Alpha tried to put on a Santa Claus hat. Yeah, and he's like, uh, 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 or whatever. He's just like, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) That's what that holographic image of Zordon, that's what that kind of reminded me of. And I like that he's not forced into the tube. There's a beam of light around him, but there's no tube. Yeah, so he's a floating head in a, in a different way. <laughs> right. <laughs> so then Pink Ranger's speeding around on her bike. She enters this cave with all the monsters, and then she comes to the realization that these Black Lagoon-looking dudes are the actual citizens of the town. And that Goldar and this monster are actually turning the citizens of this French town into these minions. And the first issue of Pink One ends with her mom being turned into one of these creatures. What a way to end a first issue. You got Tommy's mom ripping off her face and turning into Rita Repulsa. And then this one, you know, Kimberly's bottoms getting turned into this, like, creature of the Black Lagoon thing. And I love this shot of Kimberly's face behind the visor. Yeah, it's another callback to what you were saying. I absolutely love that. I can't get enough of that kind of stuff. And this art is just super consistent all mm-hmm. the way through. We had some words to say about issue five. <laughs> but going through this one, there's really hardly anything that I can complain about. Oh, yeah. All of the detailing is excellent. When she gets into the cave... There's that one establishing shot that shows the entire cave. A little melting pot thing. It's like Mordor. Yeah, exactly. And I love an artist who can do backgrounds right and settings right. And caves are hard, man. So when you get to the next page and it's a spread of all this like cave detail, I really have to give props to the artists for all the work that they did on, on this spread alone. Because that's a lot of rocks, dude. (laughs) One of the things that I'm really having an issue with with these series is you can tell that both of these comics, the main comic and the mini series of Pink here, you can tell that all the art is done digitally. Mm -hmm. And I really want to own a lot of this original art. (laughs) I want to go up to the artist and give them whatever they want for some of these pages. Like that page in issue four where we got the Megazord activating. That would be an amazing page to hang on my wall. 
Like, oh, yeah. I would own that. And some of these pages in the Pink miniseries, when she's talking on her communicator to Zordon, the establishing shot where she shows out her vigilante knee pads and combat boots, like, all that original art, I'm missing out on that. And I'm, I'm hoping, maybe, to see a lot of these creators at conventions that I mm-hmm. do, because maybe the possibility is to get a commission. But that's like one of the only complaints that I have about these series so far being drawn this way is there's so much good content that I can't own. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I know like original comic book art, that's huge for collectors and also fans of this artwork. But yeah, I get what you're saying, man. Like I would love to have like a uncolored version of some of these pages. I think that'd be really neat. So moving on to issue two, which... Literally just came out last week. We get right back into the story. It doesn't even miss a beat. We get another shot of Kimberly behind the visor shot, which is awesome. We see her mom transform into this crazy looking fish thing. And Kimberly is overwhelmed. All these guys are running after her and there's crazy shots of some of these guys jumping her way. She blows up the cave entrance with one of her arrows in a pretty cool shot. And she knows that she needs help. Yeah, I love how it's composed right there because you've got Goldar. He's very small. So you just get that feeling that, you know, she's on top of this. Mm-hmm. everything's confined and all the little creatures are back there. And there's not a lot of detail, but everything's like every line is made specifically to perpetuate what needs to be said. Exactly. She has a little talk with her French dude again, <laughs> and she pushes him off to the side so she can talk with Zordon. She says, Hey, this is a lot bigger than I can handle. Is there any way that I can contact Jason, Trini and Zach? Because in the first issue, we didn't cover this, but all the main Power Rangers are off-planet right now, battling some threat with Rita and Zed, which I don't think we really saw in the show. Maybe they're hinting at something else. But there's that little line that Alpha says, Jason Lee Scott is currently unavailable. And then Zoran says, yes, Kimberly, Jason has his own mission to attend to, I'm afraid. So I'm wondering if, like, is that a subtle hint at Mighty Morphin Red miniseries coming up? (laughs) If the art is good and it looks and feels like this, like it has the same kind of story beats, I'll I'll be there. Oh, yeah. You you hearing that boom? You hearing that Saban? Make it count. And then we see that her French friend has actually witnessed that conversation. He was spying on her. And then the monster's hand reaching out for him. But Kimberly then teleports to South America where... I love, 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 love this page. This is one of the pages that I wish I could own. I seen this and I had felt so much joy by the end of this page. Yeah, Kimberly transports to South America and then Trini is on a hang glider and she sees Kimberly and is like, Kim! Leaps off the glider in mid-flight And just crash hugs right into Kimberly. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. That's the kind of stuff that I want to see. And, you know, you can really do that on the show and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so her jumping off that glider and just kind of like ninja hugging. (laughs) (laughs) Just like colliding. 
dive bomb hug. <laughs> That's being comical without being super slapstick or, you know, super s- silly. It's almost unbelievable, but you're thinking in the back of your head, how effing cool would that be if I could jump off a hang glider and just hug somebody <laughs> that's just hanging out on the ground? And then it shows off how strong Trini is. Oh, yeah. Not only that, but I love the last shot on that page. The emotion that the artist was able to capture at two friends who have completely missed each other. And yeah, they're just shot, overjoyed. Yeah, that shot, it's like if I were to name that as a, a fine art piece, so like if that was just a single painting, it would be called Friendship. Yeah. So we have Kimberly explaining the situation to Trini, and... Trini's like, all right, come on, let's get Zach. She totally knows what she's signing up for, and it's to help a friend. There is no hesitation there. And then we get a little backstory into Trini, what Trini and Zach were doing after the peace conference. They're helping out restore the environment in South America. What Trini says, creating new sustainable green spaces, which is such a 2015 look at environmentalism, not a 1993 view of environmentalism. (laughs) Like, let's clean the local dumpster. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Like, Uh, the sludge place or the... mm -hmm. I forget what factory it was. It's like, it's leaking everything up to the park. We've got to stop this. (laughs) But that's a good callback to the show itself. The teens were so environmentally charged, so... It would make sense that, you know, a couple of them might go to South America and create sustainable green spaces. That's believable with the extension of the characters that we know. Right. And and on a grand scale, it shows that, you know, they're actually trying to make a difference in the world rather than just an angel grove. Yeah. Trini even says that. Uh, She says, I used to think I'd follow in my father's footsteps one day into medicine, but I love doing this, feeling the impact of literally healing the planet. It's such a positive force. And then Kimberly says a funny line. She says, yeah, if jumping out of gliders like a super nature ninja is code for better with plants. I laugh. I love the writing of that. Yeah. So we see Zach is training a bunch of kids in South America, you know, his hip hop keto. We get this mischievous grin on Kimberly behind Zach, and she completely spin flips him, and they're like ready to fight, and then Zach realizes it's Kim, and they start laughing. Like another great friendship moment. I almost expect Zach to do like a little shuffle dance to his feet and be like, oh yeah, oh yeah, here we go. Oh, oh, it's just you, Kim. Okay. <laughs> you know? He gives her, like, this huge bear hug, and she's like, yeah, you're crushing the ribs. So much crushing of ribs. <laughs> and then, I know we mentioned how great these artists are at injecting details into the background. When Kim is sitting at the table with Zach and Trini, you see a poster for the Angel Grove juice bar. Yeah. And you also see a picture in the background of a hanging out shot, a group shot. A great little detail there. They transport back to France, and then Zordon does the whole blah, blah, blah. The Pink Ranger is going to share her power with the two of you. But he explains it because they're still feeding off her pink energy. So when they transform into Power Rangers, it's cool because... Zach's hoodie transforms and now he's got like a Power Ranger hoodie. Uh, yeah. Don't let Saban know about the Power Hoodies. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and then uh, Trini's outfit is kind of replicated too, not so much in the vest. But what I love about this is the story explanation is that because they're sharing the pink ranger power, Zack and Trini not only have their main colors, but the suit is highlighted in certain spots with the color pink. Yeah, that pink striping, like, that hits it for me. I'm like, this story can't get any more well thought out and well planned. Mm -hmm. The visual notes here and all the explanations, they're everything that Gosei never gave to us. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) Pretty much. So, yeah, and this really feels like it's Kim's team of Power Rangers. Yeah, and I can't be for it any more than I already am. I am so down for this to continue on for another 30 issues. (laughs) I haven't even seen them get on with their costumes at this point. Yeah, we haven't seen them fight, and it's still awesome. Zordon says, I leave the Sword of Light in your hands, but when you've completed your mission, it is critical you use the sword to transfer back my power. I grow more vulnerable the longer I am without it. So there's like this big warning, like, hey, guys, you can use this, but it's my life on the line here. Tell that to Andros. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> because they're sharing Zordon's power, they actually intercept a transmission from Tommy, who is in some, I mean, the whole team, the whole rest of the team is in trouble. And it kind of fizzles out. So Kim's worried about that, obviously, but she doesn't have long to worry about it because the monsters break into where they are. There's a very quick battle, but during that battle, Goldar gets his hands on the Sword of Light, and he zaps all of them, which demorphs them. He captures them, and then the big reveal is that he uses the Sword of Light's power to reform a Zord, and he reforms the uh, Cyclopsis Zord that he once piloted, but now it has all of the Thunder Megazord parts. So it shares, like, the arm and the chest piece of the Thunder Megazord. And this thing looks crazy. It is literally somebody just messing around with Zord Builder ports. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. That's what it reminded me of. Trini's freaking out. She's like, Goldar built it out of our Zords. And then Kimberly sees the skirt area, and she says, my Firebird, no. So there's like a real sense of, we may not be Power Rangers, but those are our Zords. Like, you can't mess with that. So that's how they end issue two. And we find out that Kim's French friend betrayed them. Yeah. She's worried about her Firebird Zord, and where's her mom? (laughs) Well, yeah, that too. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, oh no, my Zord, we can't let this happen. I'm just like, did you forget about your mom? (laughs) (laughs) Like, Zords are cool, but it's your mom. (laughs) Right. I really love this issue. It's great to see Zack and Trini back as Power Rangers, albeit however briefly. I really like that they were introduced to this issue. And who knows, maybe Jason will show up in three. I, I don't know. Overall, I really like the main story and the Pink miniseries so far. We're a third of the way into Pink. I really love the art for that. I love the different art style. 
It's still detailed. If any of our listeners are on the fence of this series, maybe wait for the collector's edition, uh, volume one that's coming out in September. But for me, this entire series in line so far is a must buy. Yeah, I agree. Like you said, I am excited. And when it comes out, if I can't get it at my comic shop the day of it, of release, I usually end up waiting until I'm at a convention or something. If my comic shop has it stocked, I'm going to buy it. Oh, yeah. And uh, with the variants and how many people sell and stuff like that, they are on the fence of ordering it. So if you are a fan of it, I guess pick it up. Mm-hmm. because that would just help us all continue this series. I think you can still buy these digitally and read it that way. If you prefer to do that, do that. But I am a big fan of collecting comics. The variant covers have suckered me in. I'm not collecting all the variants, but I am collecting the variant lines, like I mentioned before. I'm totally invested in this. It's only five issues in. I think I have over... 30 or 35 covers at this point. And so. not only are we getting these lines, I just wanted to bring up, we're also getting the annual that's coming out too. And which yes. I feel like the Zach becoming the Green Ranger might have been a better fit for that. I agree with that. From what I understand, the annual is actually a bunch of different side stories. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think that would have been a better fit. It's just, it's so unfair to leave us on a cliffhanger with the freaking command center being destroyed. Come it on. was such a high note to leave off on, and then to come back, and it's an interesting story, but it doesn't have anything to do with what we just got invested in. Exactly. Any more thoughts on the comic book series before we move on? The only thing that I have to add is on that last page of Mighty Morphin Pink number two, I never noticed how much Goldar's chin looks like an electric razor. Wait a minute. You'll have to check it out. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I'm sitting there staring at it. And I can't get it out of my head. I'm like, I have to mention this before this. <laughs> I cannot unsee that now. I can't either. So I had to give it to y'all. <laughs> yeah. I don't want Goldar shaving my face. That's, that's a horrible. You watch Norelco. <laughs> Oh my god. Ugh. Norelco Rangers. Ugh. Ranger Bird. <laughs> All right. Uh, let me read this. Uh, for you, the <laughs> listeners of Ranger Command Power Hour, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30 day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash ranger command ph. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash rangercommandph for your free audiobook. That was a very rooster teeth segue for you, Eric. That's what Gus always says. Let me read this. Hey, it works <laughs> for them. I love the way they do things. I'm taking a cue from Rooster Teeth. <laughs> Why not, right? So moving on to our Ranger Nation Answers segment, we asked, what are your thoughts on the Boom Studios MMPR comics? So on Twitter, we have Juan Carlos Sanchez at Ranger7Orange. He said, I like them so far. A little slow on the story. Good art. Joshua Perry at RiderRanger335 says, they look really cool. I've never read them, but I'm waiting for Volume 1 to come out. Sentai 5 says, they've done a great job, both main series and Pink Ranger series. How could you not love it? Solomon D at Solomon underscore D said, I think they're great. The comics have the writing style and tone that I think the show should have. Jez at Mighty Jez says, I really like them. Great artwork and story. Glad we got them in the UK. 
Yeah, I don't know how uh, distribution works, so I'm glad that it's, you know, everywhere. Oh, yeah. yeah. John at Toronto John, he says, pretty good so far. Too many variants, though. Joshua Aaron Moore at Kentucky Jam said, I haven't started reading yet, but I bought every issue. Can't wait to dive in. Love the art. RJ Sills or Jihabro77 at Anime Redneck 96 says, Very excellent story. The art is good, but I'm glad to be excited over MMPR characters again. Tommy Brevard Jr. at Kid Flash Deviant says, Love them. The series is the best PR series ever. Jerusalem Garcia at J. Garcia Jordan said, Overall, I'm enjoying the series since it does feel more realistic in comparison to the show. Tag your ranger at Doug Watchin says, Dig the stories the Boom Studios comics are telling. MMPR and Pink. Love for Setya's art in 0 through 4 and Dinukulo's style for Pink. Really stoked to see what Boom Studios has in store for the future for the Rangers, especially with all the references in Pink. The Pink is probably my favorite, so I'm totally in agreement with Doug Watchin there. Hassan Ahmed at Hassan Ahmed120 says, I love them. Really cool artwork and fun stories. I always enjoy reading them. Snarky Sean at Snarky Sean said, I've only read the first issue, but I like what I've read so far. Same here, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> what, what are you guys waiting for? Uh, money, money, basically. <laughs> this episode, get super hyped. Yeah. Because they're amazing. Steven Martinez at Steven Martinez 90 says, I've been enjoying the comic. Has nice pacing, gives the characters more depth, and feels like you can relate to the characters with the story taking place in this day and age. If the show did something like the Flash TV show, I could see this comic being used as a different Earth in the multiverse. And if comment made by Zordon to Kimberly in Pink Issue 2 about Jason having his own mission to do, I hope the next Ranger standalone comic is about what Jason is doing during that solo mission. Comet gets a 10 from me. Wow, very high praise. Yeah, and, you know, it's along the same things that we were thinking on this episode. Yep. And I really do hope they continue uh, with the individual colors. Mm-hmm. At the Ranger Talk, love the artwork, hope they keep coming. Kyle at Deadpool underscore Ranger said, absolutely love it. Facebook, Chris Boothroy, our good friend Kickback, said, I love the direction that Boom Studios is taking the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers comic. Notice I, how I didn't say Power Rangers comic, because I'm very disappointed to hear that they have no plans to branch out beyond Mighty Morphin. How awesome would it be to have a comic simply titled Power Rangers, where we could follow up on the adventures of our favorite heroes long after their time on television is over? How awesome would it be if you could have a storyline where the Phantom Ranger, Zeo Gold Ranger, and Alien Rangers track down Sledge and Company regarding the Energems on Earth, but rather than let a bunch of young kids harness the power, they deem the Energems too dangerous and that they need to be taken for safekeeping? Almost like a Power Rangers Civil War event. But alas, it looks like we will be following the adventures of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers in stories that didn't air on TV for the immediate future. Maybe one day Saban Brands and the companies they license their brand out will give the freedom to explore the vast richness of the franchise's deep universe. But the more we have bated breath, the more it seems destined that Bandai, Saban, and now Boom have no urge to venture away from nostalgia, and MMPR will continue to be the only history of Power Rangers that is celebrated. Wow. Very strong opinions from Chris. Maybe we should have started off that our, our questions with that one, because that leaves it on a, like a Debbie Downer note. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Saban. 
on and boom and everybody from <laughs> Wait, go, um, Chris. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I can see where Chris is coming from. I mean, it's no surprise that we're going to be living and breathing Mighty Morphin until we're 50. Right. But I hope at least the success of the miniseries that we're getting from Boom, maybe if this series gets so popular, maybe we can have a third title that's just an ongoing Power Rangers universe type comic. Um, maybe we could call it Super Legends. Uh, that would be awesome. Why not? Like, is that Disney owned? That kind of trademark there for well, the Ring? Well, all the trademarks, Saban bought back all the trademarks from Disney. Oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah, that so, makes- yeah I would love a Super Legends, like Power Rangers Super Legends line of comics. Or, you know, maybe if they do more of these annuals, maybe one or two stories of the annuals could be like an extended universe type thing. Whereas you're still buying it for the Mighty Morphin Nostalgia, but hey, what are the Mystic Force Rangers doing today? You know, something like that, where one of the mini-stories could focus on a different team. So it would be a really, really good version of Super Megaforce. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, that'd be awesome. Just each issue have a little self-contained story about a team or one or two members from a team of past Rangers dealing with something and trying to tap into the past. Like, that'd be cool as hell. I would read... I would read every issue of that. And right? you know what? We didn't even touch on the fact that all of these comics have a small two to three page mini story featuring Bulk and Skull. Yeah. We didn't touch on that. I'm thankful because I kind of skipped every single one of them. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, to be honest, I, yeah. I look at it and I'm like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not interested. Yeah, it's more of kind of like an Archie Comics type of take on Bulk and Skull, which, you know, could be good or bad, depending on how you look at it. But I'm with you, Jeremy. I, I've i been kind of skipping them, too. <laughs> <laughs> you, you ever read Watchmen? No, I, I haven't. There, There is another story intertwined with the Watchmen story, mm-hmm. and it has to do with this pirate guy. And I can't tell you his name, because like the Bulk and Skull things, Anytime the pirate guy comes up in the story, I pass it up. I have no idea what relevance that actually has on the graphic novel. Yeah. Having read Watchmen many times and never have read that part with the pirate guy or the swashbuckler or whatever he is, <laughs> I have no idea what it's about, but it does not take anything away from the book. <laughs> like, I'm not asking any kind of questions and so when i'm sitting there looking through these issues when we're doing the show i'm looking at the the book of skull i'm like all right time to put that away (laughs) (laughs) next uh but i mean maybe it might be cool if they switched out the bulk and skull side story for more of like maybe a power rangers extended universe short stories which i'd be okay with but anyways i'm very positive about the boom studios comics I wouldn't be buying all these variants and stuff if I wasn't invested into it. I really hope they keep doing what they're doing because these are really good. To touch on something I said earlier, if Boom, anybody from Boom's listening and they want to make giant posters, especially of some of these retail incentives, the ones that I'm really looking for (laughs) are these... uh, I absolutely love the deconstructed Zord ones. Oh my god. But I want those in giant, like shop room posters like something that you can hang in your garage well yeah actually uh acme studios 
look them up. They've been doing those like um, uh, Dave Delotti prints, but the lithographs. Yeah, the lithographs. They just started doing the Boom Studios versions of these. They have yeah. the regular comic number one issue cover as one of the big lithographs. And they also have the Scorpina villain painted variant that you can also purchase lithograph size. And you can get the first cover as a poster, the retailer poster in yes. the San Diego release party pack. You can find those on eBay, I think. Yeah, you can. Uh, actually, Jordan got me one. So I actually have one of those posters. Yep, um, me too. It comes like with a coloring page and a bunch of other stuff. Do you like postcards? and? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But to have it as a lithograph, too, that's kind of nice because then it doesn't have the poster fold creases. If they're branching already into lithographs, I think the line is doing pretty good for itself. I'm going to keep going monthly and getting these until they stop doing them. So I'm all in. Jeremy, I want to thank you for coming on the show. I think it's really great getting a comic artist's perspective about comics and someone who loves comics. And loves Power Rangers. And like, loves what? Power Rangers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a good combination. So if people want to find you online or maybe get a art commission from you, how can they reach you? Uh, just check out jeremytrees.com, and it has all my information on there, all my social media and everything like that. And that's just J-E-R-E-M-Y-T-R-E-E-C-E.com. Um, show notes and all that. Look it up. You can find me on Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff. If you need something, contact me there. Yeah, you just want to hang out and chat. Uh, I also have a Power Rangers only Twitter at the Legacy Ranger. Use that to not clog up all the info on my comic stuff. You know a lot of the people that I used to uh, display my love for Power Rangers would complain. <laughs> <laughs> you can check out Legacy Ranger or Jeremy Trees on Twitter. Awesome. Well, once again, thank you for being on the show, and we're definitely going to have you on again, because once the comics start piling up again, we, we got to talk about them. Yeah, and I'm totally down for roundtables or anything like that, too. Oh, uh, so. yeah, definitely. Welcome to the Ranger Command family. <laughs> yeah. Slow <laughs> clap, wait. <laughs> Slow clap. Golf clap. Indeed. <laughs> Do I get a, a Dakota ring or membership card? <laughs> we have t-shirts. Yeah, we've got t-shirts. We have t-shirts that you can buy at your own expense. <laughs> yes! I'm so there. <laughs> I keep the postcards that I got with the, the Tiger Zord win. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I, I keep them displayed on my, my shelf next to the Tiger Zord. And every time my son comes in, he's like, what's that? And I'm like, okay, check it out. And then so I have to refresh him, and I'll let him listen to a couple episodes of the podcast. Oh, that's so, awesome. So it's cool. And anytime somebody comes in, they're like, oh, man, you like Power Rangers. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, yeah. And then they'll see that and they'll kind of get it. And I'm like, I'll get some things like, hey, that's actually a thing. Like people podcast about that. It's really funny to see people that are in touch with the Ranger Nation or anything like that. It seems small to us, but like to them, they think it's like super huge when we talk about it. Wow, people really like to listen to a Power Rangers podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right, like when you guys first started out, like I've been listening since day one. And I remember the guy that owns uh, and operates the Four-Eyed Radio Network yeah, coming on and be like, you guys splicing in that audio, like, 
And holy crap, who would have thought this is done better than anything that we ever had? Makes me feel bad because I feel like all of our other shows suck, but there's an audience for this, and Eric knows what the hell he's talking about, so. (laughs) Yeah, it just blows me away. So, yeah, Ranger Nation, let us know what you think. If you have questions, you can email us at rangercommandpowerhour at gmail.com or check us out at rangercommand.com. We're on Twitter at rangercommandph. Uh, Facebook and Instagram at Ranger Command Power Hour, all one word. You can also find us at AskFM slash Ranger Command PH if you want to ask us a question, any of our hosts or co-hosts. So yeah, check all those out. And once again, Jeremy, thank you so much for being on the show. We're definitely going to have you back. And I'm just excited to talk Power Rangers with my friends. That's oh, no, it's totally my pleasure, man. Like I said, I've been trying to get myself on this for the longest time. Like I said, I've been listening since day one, and you know, I'm super excited to be a part of it, and totally thankful that you guys let me be a part of it. Thank you so much for being a, a listener since day one, and really like to hear how people get to listen to the show and all that, so it's very humbling. And again, not only thank you for being a listener, just thanks for being a friend, too, and One day, I swear, I'm going to see you at a convention. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have Baltimore coming up, so if uh, I know that's not close. But uh, but, uh, yeah, go ahead. Plug any like upcoming shows that you'll be at. Yeah, I got a Baltimore Comic Con that's coming up in September. I I think it's Labor Day weekend. Same weekend as Dragon Con. I'll be there and have original art, have commissions and all that stuff. So cool. Awesome. All right. Thanks again, Jeremy. Yeah, thank All you. Right. And see most of our listeners at Power Morphicon, I guess, which <laughs> is in a freaking week. Holy crap. <laughs> That's intense. You've been listening to the Ranger Command Power Hour, only on the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You can catch a new episode every other Saturday. Find us on the Morphing Grid at www.rangercommand.com. Follow us on Twitter at Ranger Command PH and like us on Facebook.com slash Ranger Command Power Hour. This is Trucky B47 from the Ranger Command Power Hour and you are listening to the Four Eyed Radio Network. Ranger Command is now on Patreon. Become a patron by pledging as much or as little as you like every month and receive cool perks. By pledging, you are helping us make our show even better. Go to patreon.com slash rangercommandph to learn more. Thanks.